everybody. Welcome to Faith and Good Counsel, a show to uplift and inspire women and our families, where we tell you not our truth, but the truth with the sweetness of the feminine, where we talk about ways to live a virtuous life and all of the things that affect us as women and our vocation in whatever state of life we may be in. I'm Stacy Galino, host of Faith and Good Counsel, and I'm here today so, so blessed and happy to be here today with my co-host, Mary Wallace and Erin Berryhill-Franco. Welcome back, ladies. Hey. How's everybody doing? I'm wonderful. doing yeah, wonderful. doing great. I feel like it's such a blessing to see you both today. I'm so, I know you'll join with me and we're so, so happy to be with all of our listeners today and together with each other. I feel like it's been too long, right. been way too long, way too long. And you know what is, is so neat is that we've got every week we get more and more new listeners. And I just want to take a moment to thank them for listening and tell your friends, tell your friends, tell, put it on Facebook, tell everybody to listen to Faith and Good Counsel. We've got our past shows, so many good guests that we've already had, and so many more that are planned. And I want to thank thank you all, too, the listeners that are sending emails and posting on Facebook and calling the station. I love it. I love when you, when you let us know what you think about the show, that you're sending these comments and suggestions. Keep it coming. You can email me here um, at Stacy, excuse me, Escalino, S-G-U-L-I-N-O, at catholiccommunityradio.org. And we've got that face, uh, Facebook page, too, the Faith and Good Council Facebook page. You can just do a little search for it. You can message me there as well. And also, if you want to listen to our past shows, you can go to catholiccommunityradio.org. Take a look at the website there. There's all kinds of goodies on there. Other shows you can listen to as well. Um, but certainly taking taking a listen to our past shows with our past guests. Girls, I'm so excited about our guest today, Pat Gone. She is the author of a new book, Blessed, Beautiful, and Bodacious, Celebrating the Gift of Catholic Womanhood. And this just came out recently, I believe. And I tell you what, uh, some beautiful content in here, beautiful book. Um, so I can't wait to, to talk with her about that uh, with y'all. But first, as we always do, we want to start with prayer. And I, I found, a, I, I originally planned a certain prayer today. I was actually going to pray from the Psalms. But then I found the salutation to the Blessed Virgin Mary attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. And so I, I'd love to share that with you all today. So in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Hail, Holy Lady, Most Holy Queen, Mother of Mary, Mother of God, ever virgin, chosen by the most holy Father in heaven, consecrated by him with his most holy beloved Son and the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. On you descended and in you remain still all the fullness of grace and every good. Hail his palace. Hail his tabernacle. Hail his robe. Hail his handmaid. Hail his mother and hail all holy virtues who by the grace and inspiration of the Holy Spirit are poured into the hearts of the faithful so that faithless no longer they may be made faithful servants of God through you. Amen. Isn't that powerful? It's powerful. Beautiful. Powerful. Just like Our Lady. Just like Our Lady, and speaking of Our Lady, you know, our patroness uh, here at Faith and Good Counsel is Our Lady of Good Counsel, and we always do ask for her intercession. So Our Lady of Good Counsel, 
pray, pray for, us. for us. For sure. So, you know, we've got some, some something new that has happened. When? We want to check in with Aaron. <laughs> we now have a baby. We now have a baby, a one-week-old baby. And may I say, yes, Aaron is here with us one week <laughs> after birth. Go, girl. <laughs> Tell us about the baby. Uh, she's wonderful. Um, she was born on Cinco de Mayo about a week ago on Sunday night, and we named her Gianna Therese. Oh, I just love it. Yeah. I think we guessed it. I think we guessed <laughs> it. I would like to see that show on the archives, please. Okay. We'll get that pulled up for <laughs> yeah. you over the break. <laughs> yeah. And let me tell you, St. Uh, Gianna and St. Therese definitely helped me through those last weeks before we had some crazy stuff in our family. And then um, definitely through labor, I was calling them out for sure. So um, she's wonderful, though. She's probably the the most perfect baby you could possibly get, except she didn't come home sleeping through the night. But, uh, <laughs> but she is just a treasure. We uh, we adore her. And uh, her, her big brother and sister think she's pretty boring. Oh. All she does eat and sleep and sit oh. in her just be held or sit in her, her bouncer. So, um, they're not too worried about her yet. So not, no, no problems just yet with sibling rivalry or being jealous in any way that are they loving towards, or are they having a trouble understanding? What is this thing you've brought home? Well, uh, I think they're having too much fun being spoiled by their grandmother. Oh. <laughs> so I, oh. they're kind of on cloud nine still. They're getting, I, you know, ice cream and they're at the museum today with their cousin oh. and um, they're just having a ball right now. Oh. So Aaron, you have not experienced zone defense yet, right? Like you're still one-on-one <laughs> until the children come home <laughs> and, then, and then you've got to experience break. Making it up so you can, uh, you, you're going to have to do zone defense. That's what they used to tell oh. us. Yeah. When oh, she, in other words, when your mama leaves. Right. Right. <laughs> Suddenly yeah, you're going to be outnumbered. Okay. You're gonna, you've just entered the world of outnumbered. <laughs> oh, well, you know, the Lord will provide. That's right. <laughs> through it. And I do have a good, calm baby. So that helps. That's and awesome. I, just knowing you and knowing your St. Joseph, Michael, I have every confidence that you and he will handle this so beautifully. And I'm just, I'm just so thrilled. And we're, we, I know Mary and I echo both. We're just so happy for you and God bless you. Um, and, and I know that, you know, may, may you be fruitful and bring forth many more, many more children. And I'm just, I'm so thankful for a happy, a happy baby, a healthy baby and a safe delivery. Thanks be to God. Amen. Oh. And, and, and Aaron, you still have the glow about you, the glow of motherhood. You can tell it over Skype. Yeah, we can see it. I, I know can you can but guys are too much. Oh, you know, it, I was actually uh, thinking though, uh, you know, May is the month of Mary this month. Yeah. And so I've been thinking about her a lot and, you know, I was thinking how much I do, you know, we all, all do for our kids that our kids, you know, they don't know about and they aren't, they, you know, maybe necessarily aren't grateful for whatever their age. And I just think about all of the ways that I know our lady helps us <laughs> and oh. we never know about it. And she doesn't, need thanks and she'll never get thanks for most of it and um but she does it anyway and so i don't know that's been kind of a comfort i just even though i may have a, a rough day you don't know how many stones she caught for me that didn't hit me that day or absolutely. something you know yep. absolutely i feel a blog post coming on for humble handmaid yeah 
Yeah. Oh, I, I just need to add it to the list. I haven't blogged in like a month. <laughs> I'm wild, girls. <laughs> I, I thought the baby pictures were a beautiful blog post. I oh, loved it. Oh, yeah. She is well, gorgeous. I started, <laughs> I started to blog about a lot more than that. And then I just, I got too into it and I said, I just, I need to go to bed. And so I just put <laughs> pictures and the stats on there. <laughs> I'll be back though soon. I will. I just need a little more sleep first. You Absolutely. do. You do. And, yeah. and you take care of yourself. It's so important because you have, sleep is so, so important and you need to catch all of it that you can so that you can continue to give from that heart that is so loving and giving and unending in love and nurturing. And I'm just, again, I'm just in awe of you, Erin. So, um, and speaking of awe, I know Mary, you have prepared an awesome saint for us today. I want to hear about her. I did. You know, we're always trying to find these, uh, especially the women saints on faith and good counsel, I think inspire us really in our vocation and in our, in our own fiat, as we talk about Mary's month of May. And, um, you know, Catherine Labore, who is a saint from France, um, it, uh, is somebody who is so incredible that um, as I began to study Mary a little bit more um, this May, I really made a um, a dedication to study more about Mary. And I, I really have not gotten much into the miraculous medal for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but we're in, I was intrigued as I began to learn more and more about St. Catherine Labore. So I wanted to share about her today. And, and then for you, for you girls, just to really, too, talk to us about sort of your experience with the Miraculous Medal. I know, Stacy, you've got um, some experience with that, and so I want to talk about that. But St. Catherine Labore, was, uh, her feast day is November the 28th. She was beatified in uh, 1933 by Pope Pius XI and canonized in 47 by Pope Pius XII. She was born in 1806 in the Burgundy region of France. She was the ninth of 11 living children. Oh my goodness. So Aaron, 11 children. <laughs> You're well on your way. <laughs> one, one or two at a time. That's right. That's right. That's good. <laughs> but when she, when she was nine years old, um, her, her mother died and uh, she and her little sister were sent to live with an aunt. But this is what I found so incredible. You know, all these saints I find incredible that at very young ages, they knew their faith. They knew what um, their faith life was about, their journey, all of these things. They were so incredible. And at the age of nine, at her mother's funeral, she picked up a statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary. She kissed it and said, now you will be me. Now you will be my mother. Now I'm going to oh. tell you, my mother died when I was 40 years old. Yeah, And that's when I truly embraced Mary as my mother. And, you know, um, I, I ask prayers of my own physical mother who is in heaven now. And, um, and even more so now I've embraced Mary. And so it's never too late, but at age nine, I'm baby. She's a baby, baby girl. And, you know, she was, um, also sort of charged with taking care of her little sister. Oh my goodness. Know? But this is what big families do, right? That's so, right. We, we cooperate, we help one another. That's right. That's right. She was extremely devout. She was, um, you know, we talk about ecstasies and visions and things like that. Um, she was definitely in tune to that, was very influenced by St. Vincent de Paul, which is why she chose the Daughters of Charity after she had a dream about St. Vincent de Paul. 
Now, wait a minute. Da- Daughters of Charity are the ones that have the big hats with the flying nun wings. Right. right? I love right. that. I know. I love that. I just think it's beautiful. So I do, too. So on the feast of St. Vincent de Paul in 1830, she was in the convent, but she heard a small child calling her to the chapel. So she went to the chapel, and there she encountered the Virgin Mary, who said to her, God wishes to charge you with a mission. You will be contradicted, but do not fear. You will have the grace to do what is necessary. Tell your spiritual advisor all that passes within you. Times are evil in France France, and in the world. So mm-hmm. this was in 1830, but I, I think, you know, same could be true, true of today. Yep. And, uh, you know, she, she was uh, privy to the anti-clerical movement uh, in France, and that was uh, attributed to some of the things that the Virgin Mary told her. Um, on November the 27th, 1830, so that same year, she received another vision from Our Lady where she gives St. Catherine the vision for what is now the Miraculous Medal. And mm-hmm. um, it's also called the Medal of the Immaculate Conception. Um, because is it the image of the Immaculate Conception right. on well, the medal? It's the Tell Im- us about the medal. It's the image of the Virgin Mary with 12 rings, and those rings are reaching out to the earth and some of them are lit and some of them are not. And when St. Catherine asked her, why are some of the rings lit and some are not? And she said, the rings are the, the ones that are not lit or the ones that people are not asking graces for. Ooh. So those graces are going sort of unanswered. Wow. Um, and so she wanted people to know, but there was an inscription that she told her to write, which was, uh, Oh, Mary conceived without sin. So, um, pray for us. Oh, Mary conceived without sin, pray for us. And um, before that, the, the, the dogma of the Immaculate Conception was not really promulgated throughout the, um, the laity. I mean, the clergy knew and all of these things were happening. But that medal and the inscription of that medal really helped to get out um, the message and the theology about the Immaculate Conception. And, and she, she, nobody knew that she was the one with the vision for the for the miraculous medal. These medals were going like hotcakes in France. And uh, at her death, that's when people found out she only told her advi- her spiritual advisor and her and her mother um, at the convent. So thank So we definitely want to ask for her oh. intercession. I always have on my person a miraculous medal. And you know, as women, we have lots of places that things we can attach that's medals right. to, not just around our neck. That's right. So, um, and yeah, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for sharing that about St. Catherine. And in just a moment, we're going to be talking with Pat Gone, author of Blessed, Beautiful, and Bodacious. We'll be back in just a few moments with Faith and Good Counsel. Greg A. Kennedy is today's sponsor of the day and supports Catholic programming on Catholic Community Radio. Greg A. Kennedy, CPA, 225-292-5112. Berryland Campers serves the Gulf Coast of Louisiana and Mississippi and is a proud supporter of Catholic Community Radio. Berryland Campers, online at berrylandcampers.com. That's berrylandcampers.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray Ignatian Prayer Groups are beginning again soon. A free training retreat for men and women will be held on June 1st at St. Pius X Catholic Church. For more information, go to lordteachmetopray.com. When I began this prayer journey five years ago, I had no idea how God would bless my marriage and my children through my prayer life. Keeping my daily prayer time with Jesus is the best way that I can love my family. 
go to lordteachmetopray.com and register today. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith and Good Counsel with Stacey Galino and my co-host here today, Mary Wallace and Aaron Barry Franco. Welcome back, girls. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Hey, thanks, Stacey. Hey, I'm so excited. We have Pat Gone on the phone with us today to talk about her new book, Blessed, Beautiful, and Bodacious. Welcome, Pat. Thank you very much. Nice to uh, be talking with you ladies and all our lovely listeners. Oh, we're so excited to have you. I have to tell you, I've gotten my hands on your book and I have it all marked up and paginated here and posted and notes made. And it's quite, quite uh, beautiful content, beautiful content. But let's tell first, before we get into that book, let's tell people about Pat. Now, what I know about you, Pat, is that you have the AmongWomenPodcast.com. You're, you've, you've got a degree or a background in media that you're using beautifully for the new evangelization. And then you went back in midlife and you got an, an MA in theology and Christian ministry from Franciscan University in Steubenville. Woohoo! I love that university. My son is a student there. Um, and doing all kinds of magnificent things. Um, for the for the new evangelization, but I would say first and foremost, you are a beloved wife and a mother. Is that correct? Absolutely. Married 30 years, and I have Amen. three young adult uh, children. In fact, just brought my baby home from college oh. uh, over the Mother's Day weekend. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's so beautiful. And, you know, I think we're going to weave it. We've got Mary here today, Mary Wallace, who has got children. I'm, I'm like you, Pat. My children are, are grown and have left the nest. And then Mary has one, her first one, leaving the nest. And I want to maybe garner some spiritual motherhood wisdom from you in a moment about that if that's okay with mary is that okay with you mary look i need it that's all i'm gonna say don't we all girls i need it yes ma'am we are here to spiritually mother you today yes that's right i'm open and receptive oh that's awesome that's awesome (laughs) well you know um i i just want to the first thing that struck me about your book um is the title And I wanted to ask you, you know, words have meaning and words can have different meanings for for different people. And I'm really intrigued by the title. The title of your new book is Blessed, Beautiful and Bodacious. Now, that last word might mean different things for different people. But I wanted you have such a beautiful explanation for that. And I wanted to give you the opportunity to share that with us. Well, thank you very much, and thanks for all the kind words about the book so far. I really appreciate that. It it warms an author's heart to know that somebody is um, writing notes in the margin and underlining things that that might be resonating. We have well-loved books over here, Pat. (laughs) I'm I'm so edified to hear that. But let's get get into that idea of uh, where I'm going with this word, bodacious. First of all, let's go right to a dictionary-type meaning, which the word bodacious is a descriptor word that means most excellent and remarkable. And I'm applying this word to talk about a woman's mission in the world. So that's um, how that uh, adjective is used to describe this excellent, remarkable, awesome mission that women have. You know, when I was raising my kids, it was, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, those teenage mutant ninja turtles. Does anyone yeah. remember oh, them? Yes. Oh, they yes. They used that word bodacious all the time, and that just meant, oh, it is so awesome and incredible um, if something was bodacious. Now, I also want to realize that um, different words have different connotations depending on where you're from and where you might have heard them. Uh, To some people, this word bodacious might apply to how well a woman is put together. Mm-hmm. And I'll uh, just leave that yes, let's leave it there. there. Yeah. But let me put it to you this way. 
our God has designed women in a beautiful and remarkable and an excellent way. Our design comes from God. And the goodness of a woman's design and God's good opinion of her, we're going to take apart that in these chapters here as we talk about the feminine genius, which is really at the heart of the book, what the feminine genius is. And I just want to say one more word about that word, bodacious. There are some linguists who look at that word as what we call a portmanteau, which means it's like kind of a two words merged together. Like bodacious could be bold and audacious merged together into one word. Mm-hmm. And when I think of our God, I think, wow, what, an, what a bodacious God. How bold was our God that he chose to come to earth in the form of a man through the gift of a woman's maternity, namely the Blessed Mother's uh, womb. And how audacious that God gives us a body that someday will be resurrected unto glory into heaven. Like, this is a bodacious, a bold and audacious plan of God, and women have a role to play in God's plan. Well, Beautiful. And, and I love how you say it in the book at one point, Pat, you say mothering itself is bodacious because it's mission. It's filled with mission. Mm-hmm. And I just, that resonated with me. I felt like I was on the mission field when you said that. I thought, okay, I'm ready for the snotty noses and the baths <laughs> and, the and, and the baby going to college and whatever. I mean, that is the mission field of motherhood. And that's mm-hmm. bodacious. Right. And it's a very high calling. And a mother is preparing not only her kids to be educated and to grow and to be good citizens and to be productive people in the world and and people who use their goods and their gifts and their talents, but she's also raising um, souls for eternity. Saints. That's right. So that's that's a very high calling that a mother has. Well, you know, I, what I, one of the things I love about your book, and I, I think you, you encapsulate it so well, I'll just give everybody the reference on page 61. Um, it, and it has to do with, this book has to do with your own personal journey in a lot of sense, your conversion back to the heart of the church and the ways that maybe you went to the school of hard knocks, that you struggled to discover your gifts and make this return to your dignity and creation as a daughter of the king. And let me just read this quote. When we recover a sense of our own beauty through the beautiful gifts we possess, coupled with our blessed dignity, we stand on an unshakable truth that becomes the foundation for understanding our own beauty and the goodness we can bring to God and others through these gifts. To me, that really encapsulated the message that you with your background in media and as a catechist and as a woman with a degree in theology from Franciscan, that's what you're trying to teach us, isn't it? Mm-hmm. In fact, um, you know, I see the book as an opportunity to really share what I've learned and what I've gained from the riches of the church. You know, for for me and for my um, story that I share in the book, I really talk about this idea that the, the Catholic Church has been singing the praises of women out loud uh, for for centuries, but in the last 50 years, rather remarkably, through a lot of uh, different writings that different popes have, have brought us in the last 50 years. And I feel like we have a great message for women that, that's about the, in, the inherent dignity of a woman and the great, remarkable gifts that she has. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned four universal ones in the book, receptivity, generosity, mm-hmm. sensitivity, and maternity. And we spend some time unpacking those things. But at the heart of this is this amazing idea that woman is good 
and she's beautiful, and she's made with a, with a, a purpose, and she has a she has a great um, dignity and destiny. So these ideas are really reflective of what God says about us as women, and what the church is trying to communicate to us through some of these writings. Now, all of that being said, it's it's great. It's a powerful message, and yet a lot of women have failed to hear this message because the church has not always been so good at marketing the message or getting the message out, perhaps. Perhaps we're listening to other sources of information to get our dignity from, maybe the media, maybe things other people have said to us. But God's ideas about us are, are timeless, and they're a solid bedrock. They're a foundation that we can stand on that's unchanging. Other people may have opinions about us and about what we do that are fleeting or that are movable, God's ideas about us are rock solid, and we can stand on that, and we can talk about these things from that solid foundation. And it's something that we can trust. I mean, trust is so, so important and so, so hard for us. So, so Mm -hmm. hard. And that's one of the things that, uh, uh, many things I love about your book. There's such a flow to the book. You just kind of take us gently like a mother and lead us through these teachings of of the church uh, coming from our various areas of lack of knowledge or our various wounds. I love, um, you know, in the chapter called Living from the Inside Out, you you talk about a personal experience with a, a a later in life diagnosed hip condition and you had Mm -hmm. some severe pain and you use that as an example as a way to illustrate the concept of living from the inside out can you maybe talk to us a little bit about that i'd be happy to well um you know when i was born in my mother's womb i had something called bilateral hip dysplasia which is kind of um the hip socket is not properly formed and the femur bone of your of your leg doesn't work right. Although I was I was born in a way that it wasn't noticeable as a child. It was something that developed later in life. So it was like I had this deformity, if you will, um, from early, you know, early childhood, from the earliest days, but it didn't come to hurt me until years later as I as I grew and, you know, I had a very active life and things like that and I started to have pain. And pain gets our attention. Mm-hmm. Pain has a way of signaling us saying something is wrong. And obviously, uh, I took it to my medical professionals to have them check me out and x-rays and, and whatnot to see that um, it wasn't going to be long before I was going to need a total hip replacement in both hips mm. as a you know yeah. midlife woman in her 40s um, because these bones were finally giving out. The deformity could no longer be born, if you will. And I use that as a metaphor to talk about um, the interior life. You know, um, uh, what was happening on the inside of me um, biologically in terms of what my bones were doing were producing pain on the outside of me. I was limping. I was less mobile. I was having trouble doing um, simple tasks as a, you know, in my daily life. And the pain was evident to me. I use this as a metaphor to talk about the inside or the interior life, the, the life of the conscience that, that each of us have. If we have a well-formed conscience, the conscience is the rudder for our, the way we live our life. It's it's this thing that's inside of us that gives us direction, and we live from that. We live from what's on the inside of us, kind of deep in our hearts, in, in, in the sanctuary of who we are. We live from the inside out. That gives us direction from our life. 
But if we have hurts in our conscience or we have a poorly formed conscience, we could be living uh, from a deformed or a conscience that is askew, and it could lead to pain in our life. So when we have pain, uh, recurring pain in certain areas of our life, we really need to look at that because it could be a signal that we need some uh, emotional healing or we need some spiritual healing to make things right so that we can live from the inside out in the healthiest of ways. Beautiful. And Pat, you know, one of the things that you do in chapter one when you talk about living inside out is you talk about our blessed mother and how she was an example of living inside out, the way that she would ponder things and hold them to her heart, just like we all do as mothers. And and really, she's our model for that. The way her um, her very womb became a tabernacle for Jesus himself. And, you know, she was the first tabernacle of Jesus. And, um, and you talk about her living inside out. But as you read um, the book, what I was really impressed about was that you really had a journey to Our Lady, that even as a cradle Catholic, you know, your journey was sometimes, uh, was sometimes a struggle, a challenge, but finally <laughs> acceptance and submission to accepting Our Lady as, as a spiritual mother and as a, you know, somebody who was important in the church. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey and sort of what that has done for your faith and uh, maybe a little bit about how can others find that same journey to the lady? Well, I have to tell you, um, I had kind of a halting relationship with the Blessed Mother as a younger woman. I I was uh, quite a bit um, feministic in my in my thinking as a younger woman, and I couldn't possibly fathom what a first-century Galilean woman had to say to me, you know, in my 20th century, 21st century mindset. And I also saw her um, uh, not so much in a positive light the way Catholics really ought to hold her. And part of that was because some of my Protestant friends um, gave Mary uh, a bad rap. They they didn't think that she had much to say about, you know, how we ought to live. And, you know, it was nice that she bore Jesus, but why do we need Mary when we can just go to Jesus? So I had a lot of different things kind of swirling around in my head, none of which was accurate. I was going off of other people's opinion on what Mary was about. I wasn't listening to what the Church's opinion of Mary was. So over time, and it really came in the midst of my early marriage and my early motherhood years, that I really began to need kind of a feminine voice to kind of get me uh, through some of the struggles of early motherhood. Pat, can we, I hate to interrupt you at this point, but we're coming up on a break. Can you stick with us through the break? Of course, I'd be happy to. Great. We're going to pick back up with Pat Gone, author of Blessed, Beautiful, and Bodacious, right after the break. Stick around with Faith and Good Counsel. Green Seasons is a local Catholic family-owned business and a proud supporter of Catholic Community Radio. Green Seasons serves the Baton Rouge and surrounding areas with services such as landscape and design, lawn maintenance, and pest control. Online at greenseasons.us. Hi, this is Coach Alan Taylor, founder of St. Michael's Family Fitness. We're proud to support the mission of Catholic Community Radio. St. Michael's Family Fitness, strength to serve. 225-241-9332. Citizens Bank and Trust is a proud supporter of Catholic Community Radio. Citizens Bank and Trust, online at citizensbankandtrust.com. That's citizensbankandtrust.com. Hi, Charlie Savoy here with Johnny's Pizza House, home of Sweep the Kitchen Pizza. 
We're proud supporters of Catholic Community Radio. Johnny's Pizza with two locations, Baton Rouge, 763-9797 and Central, 615-8335. Hello, this is Chef John Falls asking you to consider giving your old card to a charity that has served our area for 141 years, St. Vincent de Paul. They have my support and they need yours. Call St. Vincent de Paul at 383-7837. Join us for the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, live from Our Lady of Mercy Parish in Baton Rouge, weekdays at noon and Sunday mornings at 1030 on Catholic Community Radio 1380 WPYR. Catholic Community Radio can't happen without your spiritual support, but we're also praying for you. Call our prayer force today, and we'll add your prayers to our growing teams of rosary groups, Eucharistic adorers, and small faith communities. 225-341-2720. Welcome back, everybody. This is Faith and Good Counsel. I'm your host, Stacey Galino, here with my beautiful co-host today, Mary Wallace. Aaron Berryhill-Franco, and the lovely, blessed, beautiful, and bodacious Pat Gone. Welcome back, ladies. Good to be here. Yeah, good. And we were right in the middle of your story about your journey back to Our Lady, Pat, when we had to interrupt you for the break. Can you pick us back up from where we were? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, I had a lot of misgivings in my early life about who Mary was and why she might be important in a Christian life. But as a young mom, I was taken by the hand by a more experienced mom, a friend of mine who was a little further along in the in the marriage journey and the family life journey, someone who had three children and who had um, a spiritual life and a Christian walk that I really respected. And while I was struggling in the throes of new motherhood and, and really dealing with some of the difficulties that a pregnancy can bring and, and also some of the sacrificial aspects that motherhood requires, um, this good friend of mine offered uh, me a, a, a role model not only in the way that she lived, but also the secret that she shared with me was that Mary had a way of life and a way of loving and living that I could buy into, that I could connect with in and through um, prayer to Jesus and in and through looking at Mary in the scriptures and learning how to pray the rosary. While I meditated on the mysteries of the rosary, which talk about the, the life and times of Jesus and Mary, while I got to ponder those things in my heart, I began to understand that Mary had something to say to me. And I began to see Mary as more than just a historical figure or somebody who was in the pages of Scripture, to somebody that Jesus raised, you know, to heaven to be my spiritual mother. And that was a real turning point for me. I started to listen to the uh, wisdom of the Church and the wisdom of the Scriptures that, that came in and through the gift of the Rosary. And that really made a difference for me. And slowly... I began to be mothered, if you will, through that prayer, that feminine voice of this mother speaking to me in and through my prayers and leading me closer to the heart of Jesus, always bringing me closer and in a deeper relationship with Jesus. She gave me what I needed. And uh, now, you know, today I do consider her uh, my spiritual mother. So beautiful how how the Lord takes us by the hand gently, leading us, God the Father, Our Lady, Our Mother, and and leading us even even in our woundedness, even in our sinfulness, and little by little teaches us how to be more open, more receptive. But you know, Pat, you're you're very open in your book about some of some of your past wounds or some of your past um, attributes. For example. 
I believe you might be have been known to be a little short-tempered or feisty in your past. <laughs> yeah, and that would be polite about it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I was on a podcast with Pat, and I'm here to tell you, I like that feisty. I like the feisty. But I didn't you have to temper it. Right. That's right. <laughs> but I, yeah, I had some anger issues. So yeah. <laughs> let me let me let me be really honest with people here. Um, uh, you know, uh, I have really learned uh, to deal with my anger in in uh, more fruitful uh, ways now. I mean, uh, thank God. And I'm always learning about that. But certainly as a younger woman, um, I really had a much more argumentative, arm wrestling kind of um, uh, ideas about things. And when they didn't go my way, um, I would lash out. And I'm, and I'm I'm ashamed that a lot of my sins have been sins related to the tongue in terms of the way I would express myself to other people or even to loved ones, you know, where I would really clash with people. And uh, it was, um, you know, I'm not proud of a lot of that, you know, uh, especially um, one thing I I talk about uh, in the book is I had this kind of argumentative uh, relationship with my father. Mm-hmm. And uh, that led to a lot of pain, uh, you know, emotional pain sure. um, growing up and some distancing from him that, uh, you know, over the years I've had to m- mitigate, you know, because of my own my own sinfulness, you know, in this area of, um, you know, losing my temper and not sure. being willing to apologize or, or things like that. And that those wounds can really impact our, our being able to embrace our goodness. Earlier you mentioned, us, you know, our goodness within that we were created, but also our image of God, the father. And I'm just curious of how you said that that's been mitigated. Tell us a little bit more about how was that mitigated? How, how can we emulate your example? What can we learn from your, from your journey? Well, um, I do talk about a couple of things in the book. One is that, um, the Catechism of the Catholic Church has a very consoling attitude toward people who have dip- difficulties with um, in their relationships with their parents. For example, somebody like me who kind of had this robust, argumentative, temper-ridden uh, situation with my own dad. And that sometimes when we have these types of relationships with our parents, it could be with a father or a mother. But the Church says that a lot of those um, problematic relationships that we might have had as 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 young people can really hurt us in the spiritual life. We could kind of transfer that to the fatherhood of God and be kind of down on or negative toward this idea of God as a father. Or maybe we don't even want to have a relationship with God as father. Mm-hmm. And what I have learned um, in the spiritual life is that Jesus is the way to the father. Jesus, if you look at his words in the Gospels, he is always talking about the Father. He is talking in such a way as to lead us to the Father, and that we are really um, designed to be in relationship with the Father who is in heaven as, as his beloved daughters. So Jesus, you, you hear his words. He's calling us, you know, the disciples say, teach us how to pray, Lord. And he says, okay, here's how you do it. Our Father, you know, addressing our Daddy in heaven, you know, as Father. Jesus says, I am the Father, are one. 
You know, if we can learn to love Jesus, we can learn to love the Father. And one of the other um, techniques that I gained from um, learning to pray the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, is this idea that let's use the words that Jesus uses in his prayers. You know, if Jesus says, I am the Father, I and the Father are one, this is, a, this is a good thing. We can use these prayers that Jesus has prayed in his life to make them our own. And that can lead to a softening of our hearts to the idea of God as Father. And when we understand God as Father, when we start to, to think about being his beloved daughters, he can help us with the areas in our life that might be painful with an earthly father. And we're all thirsting for that. We want that love. We want to be seen in our creation and in our dignity. We want, we want that authentic love, don't we? And that, that's the way to do it. And you tell us, you give us the roadmap, Pat, in your book. Well, and Pat, you know, thinking about even how you said that, if you even in just the relationship with God, the father, you have a beautiful expression of that in the book. Well, during the passage where you're going through breast cancer and, um, really trying to find your way, you have sort of um, a moment in time in the hospital where you are just um, wondering about your own surrender and how to do this. And um, you, it, it's as if you were having a conversation with God, which I so appreciate because I find in my prayer life, you know, you have these little conversations and you wonder, okay, is that God or is that me talking to myself? But you have this beautiful back and forth between you and God with you in the in the hospital room um, where you're having to really surrender. Can you tell us about that moment for you? It's so beautiful. Oh, you know, that is a that that is really a moment. And actually, it's um, it's one of those moments when uh, it, you, you wonder if anyone's going to think you're crazy because you're having this conversation with God. And I have and I have to say, for me, um, one of the things I think every Christian has to come to is this place where do we love God, who is the giver of gifts? Like, do we love him for the gifts that he gives us, or do we just love him? Mm-hmm. And this is really a turning point where I really understood that I really do love him, and God has a perfect plan for my life. And, you know, when you are, when you're diagnosed with cancer, I had already gone through a couple of surgeries. I was facing um, a kind of a final surgery to, to, to finish the job, so to speak. I really had a lot of fear about um, what the length of my days might be. You know, I was, uh, I was 36 when I was diagnosed. So young. And, um, and my children were nine. Nobody can write the script if you're going to have a year or five years or ten years or beyond, you know. So I was really wrestling with that fear, and a lot of times the fear would get to me at night uh, when I was in bed. And one night I was praying. uh, I would often be, if I woke up with those types of fears or, or dread, I would pray. And one of the nights I was there, I had a particular powerful time of prayer where I asked, you know, I could hear the Lord loving me, saying, you know, Pat, don't you know that I have your best interest at heart? And I'm paraphrasing what I wrote in the book here. And I said, yes, Lord, I, I know you have 
you know, you have my best interest at heart. You know, my life is in your hands. And but what about what about this husband of mine, Bob? And what about these three children? And he says, you know, what about them? You know, Pat, don't you think that I have a a, a perfect plan for Bob's life, your husband? I'm like, yes, Lord, I know you love him. You know, and then he took me through each of my children. How about for Bobby? Do I have a perfect plan for Bobby? Yes, of course, Lord. I know you have a perfect plan for Bobby. And how about Katie? How about do I have a per- yes, Lord? I know you have a perfect plan for for Katie too. And even little Peter, who was only three years old and not quite, you know, up to understanding what was really going on with mommy and cancer. You know, yes, of course, you have a perfect plan for for each one in my family. And then I just felt the Lord was saying, Pat. If I have a perfect plan for each one of them, and I love them as completely and tenderly as as I love you, if my plan for their life does not include you in it in the years ahead, is it still my perfect plan? And yeah. I really had to wrestle with that. That's a lot of trust. <laughs> and I had to say, yes, Lord, yeah. it is a perfect plan whatever my length of days are. And I talk about, you know, Psalm 139, where God says he ordains each of our days. At that mm-hmm. time, I didn't know if God ordained 36 years or 46 years or 56 right. years. I didn't know that back then. But what he wanted was my heart and my complete trust. And in that moment, I knew that I love God for God, not for all of the wonderful gifts he gave me, not for all of the other things. Of course, I love my husband and my children. I wasn't doubting any love for them. But to to know that my heart was right with the Lord, that if my life would be ended, you know, in a span of weeks, I was ready to, to embrace, you know, that life in terms of my eternity. So wow. I think a lot of us have to come to deal with that. It might not be cancer. It might be some other tragic thing. But to find that our life is grounded in this wonderful relationship with a God who really does have a plan for us. Now, now let me just tell you, that was 1996. Oh my. This is 2013. Look at the blessing oh, of time that I've had. And it's not lost on me every milestone, every anniversary, every birthday. This summer, July 4th, I'm going to see my daughter get married. Oh, my goodness. It's not lost on me. What a grace um, what a every grace. day that God gives us. Well, Pat, it has been such, that is, and it comes that we have that moment when we ultimately have to totally surrender. And we're also, we're going to have to surrender our time together with you, Pat. <laughs> Unfortunately, I could talk to you forever, but tell us really quick in our last moment here, how can people get in touch with you? How can people get your book? Well, you can find the book at your local Christian bookseller. Just ask for it by name, Blessed, Beautiful, and Bodacious. Or if you don't have a Catholic bookstore nearby, you can find it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble online. Um, You can find me at patgone.net or at the AmongWomenPodcast.com. And uh, I'm always happy to hear from listeners and readers through the various social media ways that are listed on those websites you're very easy to find and god bless you pat and your work and your ministry and we just appreciate so much your time and your sharing with us um and and your beautiful book blessed beautiful and bodacious thank you god bless you i hope you'll come back all right all right bye-bye powerful interview ladies powerful interview 
Love so, Pat Gunn. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, ladies, St. Catherine of Siena says, if you are what you should be, you will set the world ablaze. And I do believe Pat is is being what the Lord has called her to be. She is lighting her candle Amen. and it's not under a basket. Amen. <laughs> and so we want to thank you all for sharing this time with us. You, you grace us with your presence. Until we meet again, may God bless you and shine his face upon you and give you peace. See you next time on Faith and Good Counsel. Catholic Community Radio. Well, I, I think it's filling a need. I think people are hungry for the truth, and I think uh, the, the more professional we can sound and compete with with the others in you know in the marketplace, the more people are going to draw in. Catholic Radio for your community. And that's why the Holy Father, he just mentioned the importance of, of Catholics knowing how to work in the media and knowing how to use the media wisely and to use it well. This is your station. The church has for, for decades, especially since Inamorifica um, with Vatican II, has been on the, on the front lines engaging the culture and understanding that the media are so important. And so I can't, I, I am amazed at the response we get just because it's just so humbling to be on, on the receiving end of, of the comments and how people have grown and what they've learned. And it's, it's, it's a phenomenal part of the new evangelization. Call with your donation at 448-3754 or online at brcatholicradio.com.